Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry, Toyota. Let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. It is me, your man, MG Marcus Grant. And this is our last... I think actual preseason show. I mean, when we're back next week, we'll be into week one officially. So happy football season, everybody. Joined, of course, on the other side of the glass by, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start calling you something. Like, I don't want to just call you Eddie Murphy. So I'm going to start calling you Sir Edward L. Murphy Esquire. Does that does that work? Works for me. I mean, no one calls me by my actual name in this building. I'm either Spaghetti <laughs> or whatever. So uh, I'm glad I have a new nickname besides Spaghetti. That's fine. There you go. So, uh, you know, he's back. Of course, uh, we are Part of your uh, your mighty duel that'll be taking you through the season, and then joining me on this side of the glass, uh, back for his second tour of duty here on the podcast, it's Mark Istook. Welcome yes, back. welcome back. So as as I am speaking to you, I'm multitasking because I am on my computer and I'm refreshing my countdown clock. Okay, till kickoff. And and we're looking at like six days, twenty three ish odd hours, fifty eight minutes, and thirty. 433 32 31 <laughs> seconds. So yes. That's right cuz uh, as of a week wait. a week from today we will have actual live it counts for real NFL football. Like they, they, they will count in the standings. They will count and, in the standings. And the statistics will matter. They will be for real for real. <sighs> <laughs> it's like we have made it through the long dark night of summer. <laughs> Uh, so that's uh, that is certainly exciting. We got plenty to talk about today. Uh, we'll have Joe P. Sapia, who is the author of the Fantasy Black Book. He'll come on and talk some rookies, talk some of the younger guys to kind of help you with some of your dynasty stuff. I know we talked to Emory Hunt last week. We'll get some more dynasty stuff for you there. Uh, we'll do some best fantasy team names. I know that's one that uh, Eddie was looking forward to. Uh, and then we'll talk some draft strategies as well, plus your level of confidence with certain players as uh, you know people are wrapping up their drafts and getting ready for the start of the season. I was going to try to go without any news, but something came across the wire that I felt like was worth, uh, worth talking about. So uh, let's do a little bit of news. The news. I know there are people who listen to the show who hate that, and so they were hoping that I wasn't doing news today. No, but do uh, it. Sorry about your luck. So, <laughs> uh, Jets rookie quarterback Sam Darnold is named the starter for week one for the Jets at the Detroit Lions. It seemed, Mark, like it was sort of trending this way, but I guess now we can you know, stop the speculation. I, good, bad, indifferent. How are you feeling about this? 
Uh, I have mixed feelings about this. I mean, from a Teddy Bridgewater truther perspective, I felt like he was a guy who was outplaying Darnold this preseason. But you knew that given the fact that he was in a one-year deal, they invest the pick in Darnold, that, that he was the quarterback of the future. So do you put him on the field now and, and let him start that process? Or do you learn behind Teddy? I don't know that Teddy's the guy you learn behind. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I get that vibe of him as the, the kind of uh, stately elder QB of the <laughs> right. QB room, especially given that this is his first year uh, in New York. But uh, I look, from a Teddy perspective, I would have loved to have seen him get an opportunity to be on the field, play, do well this year. But I, I like Sam Darnold as a as a rookie quarterback. I hope he does well. I think obviously you as a USC fan have some a little insight biased. into this as well. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I want to see Sam succeed. As as for Teddy Bridgewater, of course, if you don't know, he was traded to the Saints uh, on Wednesday, so he will be the backup to Drew Brees ostensibly there. So it does clear the way for Darnold, and I, I do. I I mean, I I want to see all the USC guys be successful. I know that with Darnold, there will be ups and downs. He will make some plays that will frustrate Jets fans. Uh, if you if you take a chance on him in fantasy, he will frustrate you at times. And then he'll make some plays where he just blows your mind with the throws he makes. Um, I know that for the Jets, they hope that you get more of the latter than the former. You get more of those mind-blowing plays. But you have to understand that there will be a learning curve. There will be some ups and downs and some bumps. Um, but I think Look, I want Teddy to succeed. I, I really was rooting for that story. I think that's going to be fun. I hope he finds a place where he can play and be successful. But I'm sort of with you in that the Jets spent the number three overall pick on Sam Darnold. And for as good as Teddy was, I don't think that he was good enough to overcome the number three pick. Well, it's, uh, you know, kind of a, a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation mm-hmm. where if Teddy comes in and he plays really well, so what? You still have a question mark about what you're doing with your first round draft pick, right. and you've got to figure out next year what the what the uh, contract situation is with Teddy Bridgewater. You're not going to ride him to the Super Bowl this year. Let's be honest. So they just decided, I think, to hey, let's go ahead and get the Sam Darnold experience going. Right, and I that's understandable. Yeah. No. So we'll we'll see what happens. Week one, Jets at Lions. Sam Darnold will make his start, and I believe this will make him the. Youngest quarterback ever to start a week one game, I think is what it is. Uh, he just turned 21. Like, yeah. he's he's only barely able he to He can hardly beer. even celebrate. Right, exactly. He's only barely able to buy beer and celebrate this thing. So uh, we will see. But it'll be interesting to watch. I think he's got better value as a kind of a dynasty league quarterback than, than any redraft league this year. So uh, I told you it'd be short. That's pretty much all the news you need to know. <laughs> That was the news. Oh, so do you find yourself distracted, forgetting things, making mistakes at work? Quality night's sleep makes all the difference, and the right mattress is the difference between resting and just laying down. The right mattress is the Lisa mattress. The Lisa mattress is the product of more than 30 years of experience in mattress engineering and hundreds of hours of testing, comprised of three foam layers that provide cooling pressure relief, body contouring, and support. The Lisa mattress is the best mattress at the best value, and certainly fantasy managers know about getting best values. Over 300,000 happy Lisa sleepers agree. 
The Lisa Mattress gives them the rest they need. Order your Lisa Mattress online at lisa.com slash live and try it risk-free for 100 nights. It ships direct to your door in a convenient box with free shipping and free returns. And you can buy Lisa for a fraction of the cost of traditional mattresses. Find the right mattress for you at lisa.com slash live. Don't miss Lisa's limited, limited time Labor Day sale where you can get up to $235 off your Lisa mattress when you go to lisa.com slash live. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash vanity live there you go <sighs> oh, sorry were you talking you, about mattresses you need a, you, you need a, a lisa you go sorry get... i slept through that that was uh, <laughs> there you go get, get, yourself, get yourself a lisa mattress and yeah. you know you'll 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 be ready to so go refreshed. for it there you go uh so i know that most people did their drafts a lot of people did their drafts last weekend but there's still one more uh weekend before the season starts and i'm sure there'll be plenty of drafts this week mark i know you're you know you're new to our show i I don't know how many different types of leagues you've played in have you have you encountered any sort of off the wall uh scoring systems beyond the 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 general you know uh, standard ppr yeah for me it pretty much has been either standard or ppr scoring um pretty much down the middle uh although uh we have kind of played around with the point totals before with mm. some buddies in some leagues where you just decide, hey, this year we're really going to emphasize, you know, one statistic over another. But that the, the reason I think that it's been fun to do that is to just throw everything into chaos right. when it comes draft time. You're like, look, hey, I really – we're going to prioritize touchdowns over everything else. <laughs> so I, I think that's fun to do, um, although it's, it's not – if you are somebody who has put the research in and, and put the time and energy into, you know, traditional scoring, uh, then it really messes you up come draft time. But that's part of the fun, I think. It right. increases the trash talk component. Absolutely. And it changes – it does. It changes the way you study. So now, I know, Eddie, you had a draft this past weekend, right? Now, what what is your league format? I did. I had – well, my my first one, my, my longtime league, I did PPR. And then, uh, funny enough, I did another league that was PPR. But the rosters the, – the, the the previous draft was pretty standard roster size. Uh, the new one's a 2QB plus IDP, which just, like, threw me Ooh. for a loop because I don't know um, much, of, if anything, about the IDP. And then I think drafting two quarterbacks, too, uh, is also – kind of different strategy as well right so i was you know just wanted to kind of touch briefly on them i don't want to spend a ton of time on it but i know that you know these are some of the questions we get i would say you know for standard versus ppr even half point ppr i feel like you know those have become sort of prevalent enough that people kind of have figured out how to do them i know with ppr and half point ppr leagues you, you get more emphasis on on pass catchers whether they be wide receivers running backs those guys tend to move up the ranks a little bit the 2QB league is sort of a new phenomenon, which I feel like is is sort of borderline masochistic. It's it's crazy. Well, but but actually, the point you made in the last show is that this is like probably the deepest the NFL's been right now in terms of quarterbacks. You have almost every you know every uh, one of the teams has at least one guy. You're like, okay, it's not so bad. So if there's ever a time to do that, it's this probably now. And especially for a person like me, who my, my draft strategy this year overall was just like wait on quarterbacks because you'll find somebody later on. Right. So doing a draft with two QBs and then all these people are taking guys super early, Brady, Rogers, Breeze can't like, they're going so early in drafts. So then I get to the later part of the draft and then the guys who you normally would expect to be there are not there. And that's the big difference from doing the two QB versus, a, you know, a standard roster size. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think with two QBs and super flex leagues, super flex leagues are those where you can flex a quarterback in that spot, you know, along with whatever other position you'd like. Um, 
the biggest takeaway is that you are going to have to get quarterbacks early. And right. maybe you don't go first round, but I, I have a hard time thinking you, you can't get out of the second round with at least one, without at least one quarterback because they're going to be so gone yeah. at that point. Speaking of guys like Sam Darnold, and there's, there's, those guys will have to start in your league, especially if you're doing a, you know, a, a 12-man team, a uh, 12-man league. Mm-hmm. Uh, and normally you don't want to start a guy like Sam Darnold yet, uh, but now he's probably your QB, too, if, if you waited on a quarterback uh, right. a little too long. Right, yeah. I, I remember a couple of years ago, uh, Haitham Kalani, our producer, uh, one of the producers here who used to work on Fantasy Live, he hit me up asking me for advice because uh, he was asking if he should start Mike Glennon who at that time was the backup to Jameis Winston in Tampa Bay. And I'm like, that's, he's like, I'm in a two quarterback league and like everybody's gone. So like, you're like, you're starting a backup quarterback who might not even see the field. Like that seems awful. Yeah. And especially if you combine a two QB league with like a PPR uh, scoring format, you have to balance getting the quarterbacks early and then also finding the guys, the running backs who catch passes or find guys, uh, receivers who are more like a Jarvis Landry type who will get a lot of receptions. So you have like multiple strategies. It, it makes it super difficult. And then you throw in like an IDP thing. I mean, it, it's it's tough. But that's where that underscores what you said earlier about being masochistic mm-hmm. is, you know, part of the fun thing about playing fantasy is you, you watch the games on Thursdays and Sundays and Monday night, and you just watch the points pile up, and right. this is more a situation where you bang your head against the wall. You really kind of are. I know with IDP leagues, uh, I would say this, the, for you folks who play IDP, you are a, a kind of a small contingent, but man, you are, are fiercely loyal to your, your format, and uh, you are rabid about it. I get, you know, I get tweets every so often wondering you know, why we don't talk more about it, because I mean, the fact of the matter is, it's not widespread there aren't a lot of people who play it um and there aren't a lot of leagues that go deep i think mostly look how i mean most leagues i play in to get you pick maybe two three idp players at the most i, I wish it was only that i think my <laughs> league it was two two dbs so either corner or safety two linebackers and then two d line uh and i just i was just completely lost i was like do i go do i go for sacks do i go for guys to make tackles or interceptions so guys that get thrown on a bunch like i i had no idea yeah i would say generally and, and having you know written about it a little bit and kind of followed it Tackles are, are great, so you can get a middle linebacker mm-hmm. who makes a lot of tackles. That's a big thing. Uh, you know, I say that. I, I say people get a middle linebacker who makes a lot of tackles, or JJ Watt because he does literally <laughs> everything. Um, the one thing I tell people to stay away from are shutdown corners. Okay, right? Because then what? What stats are right. you? I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing to happen. I mean, like Richard Sherman, great actual football player, poor IDP option because at some point when when people aren't throwing your direction. You you really struggle to get points. So I always tell people, get you find a shutdown corner and, and draft the, the guy, guy the opposite. opposite. Yeah. <laughs> get the guy on the you other want side. The PBUs or the picks or whatever. Right. You know. So you get those you know, those pass breakups, the interceptions, the tackles, all that sort of thing. So yeah, don't get caught up. You know, don't get caught up with a Patrick Peterson because chances are he may not get a whole lot of balls thrown his way. So that that probably won't help you, uh, IDP wise. So. Uh, just a little bit to help there. Um, how do you feel like you did in your two QB PPR IDP? Well, uh, so I, many I think there. Yeah. <laughs> there, I mean, it, it was it was a, a wild draft. I love my running backs, receivers, tight end group, even for quarterbacks. I still ended up with Mahomes and Matt Ryan. I'm pretty happy with uh, the defense. Again, I'm I'm just lost. I don't I don't know if I did a good job of that at all because of. I just didn't know really who to target when or like what rounds they go on. It, it, that was probably a mess. I mean, I took a couple guys that might get sacked, so a couple guys that get a you know might near be near 100 tackles. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm hoping my PPR led offense is what helps me in that league. But uh, for those who do IDP, man, like I don't. That's just a lot of extra yeah. strategy and studying to do. If you had to make a prediction right now, which one of your quarterbacks is going to score more points this season? 
It's a really good question because I'm, I'm super high on Mahomes. I, I think their offense is just it's ridiculous, and I think uh, I think uh, Daniel Jeremiah said that he's almost bust proof because there's so many weapons with him. That being said, I think Matt Ryan comes back uh, with a vengeance. I mean, the guy's an MVP. People forget that he's going pretty low in leagues. So I, I think the Falcons could be pretty nasty this year. I, 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 I probably uh, you can make an argument Ryan. for both. Right. Easily, right. I think. Right. And I, I think you know I, I think year two under Steve Sarkeesian, the Falcons offense gets better. And, you know, sure. I don't think it goes back to you know two years ago when they just lit the world on fire. But I don't think I think last year was sort of an outlier for this group. And I think they get better this year. No, I totally agree. Um, the one thing I will say for you about IDP, even if you don't feel confident, the there's so many guys still available on the waiver wire. That's true. Just because few leagues go so deep. That if you know you have a guy who's not performing, it's pretty easy to hit the waiver wire and find somebody who can who can fill that spot. So uh, that's my my advice there. Um, as we've gotten closer to the start of the season, I've been kind of keeping track of some guys who are sort of preseason movers and shakers who've moved up, who've moved down based on their preseason performance. So for both of you guys, I want to get kind of your level of confidence on some guys who have moved up or who have moved down, and and whether or not you believe you know, believe in them at all this year. So. I want to start at running back with Christian McCaffrey, who coming into the season, there was talk that he was going to get 25 to 30 touches per game. I said I wasn't buying it. Um, but everything we've seen in the preseason, they're using him a lot, and they're running him between the tackles, and he looks like he's going to be that workhorse back. And his ADP has jumped up accordingly to the point that you know he's a high second round, maybe even a late first round pick in some leagues. So, Mark, I mean, have you bought in? Were you already on board with the Christian McCaffrey? Well, I like the fact that you talked about movers and shakers because that's what he is. He is a mover and a shaker on the football field with the ball in his hand. I, I don't know that I feel first-round confident. In fact, I don't feel okay. first-round confident in him. But uh, this is where my college football bias shows through, having been a big fan of his play at Stanford and feeling like, hey, if even a, a percentage of that production translated – to the NFL, we could see a special player for a long time. And I and I feel like you look at his numbers last year, 3.7 yards per carry his rookie season. But really, it was that receiving threat out of the backfield that he provided where he got so many touches. And I feel like he's one of those guys where if you can run between the tackles and make a living doing that at Stanford with the volume he did, playing the way that offense plays, that will eventually translate. And, and maybe those... Uh, whispers of him being the workhouse guy in Carolina are the result of them seeing something that you know we have yet to see that he can be that guy. I, I'm I'm buying McCaffrey's rise, and my confidence is is high, just not first level or first round high. Yeah, I can see that. I will say that you know, you, you talk about him hit Stanford. I was glad to see him leave because I'm he sure kept, you were. He kept running through USC <laughs> repeatedly. So I, you're I had in enough good company. I mean, it wasn't like you were the only defense. I had enough too. of that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, Eddie, how do you feel about, about run CMC this year? He's very intriguing because he might be in that and you can say if I'm wrong, but the Le'Veon Bell, Saquon Barkley, David Johnson, almost like only feature guy, especially with the news that C.J. Anderson might lose the number two job. Mm -hmm. uh, it, and also, like, when are they going to realize, like, hey, maybe we should stop like, letting Cam get beat up so much? Right. Just, like, give this like give this guy the ball or just dump it off. Every like, year. Every year is the year they're going to realize exactly, that. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think if if Norv Turner, uh, you know, those guys, if they're just finally like, all right, let's just give the running back the chance to do what he has to do, leave Cam, you know, be healthy, let him be safe, uh, not, not getting beat up. And then plus, if they're not even going to use C.J. Anderson, I mean, it could be super intriguing. Yeah, you know, the C.J. Anderson part is the one that's sort of 
surprises me, I guess. I have been big on Anderson kind of taking over that Jonathan Stewart role and, and maybe getting some of those goal line opportunities, but it, it hasn't really materialized in the preseason. So I've had to kind of back off of that statement a little bit, and, and I'm starting to buy into McCaffrey. And look, I, I know the moment that I go, go all in and believe in him, then suddenly we'll see C.J. Anderson again because that's just the way things work for me. Um, but I, I'm on board. So uh, staying in the division in Tampa Bay, Peyton Barber has seen a rise in his ADP in the last couple of weeks. Although I feel like, Mark, that has less to do with Peyton Barber and more to do with the fact that Ronald Jones has not performed the way people I, thought. I feel that way, too. Uh, to me, there are just too many question marks about this Buccaneers offense to feel confident in any one aspect of it. And if they are not able to throw the football successfully, I feel like that's going to obviously be an issue. And if Ronald Jones is productive at all, are you looking at a running back by committee situation. I, I just, there's too many things that make me skittish mm-hmm. about him. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, this is a guy that last year wasn't great. He was kind of the best of the bunch, I thought, like in Tampa Bay. Uh, and I feel like that's a dangerous game to play in fantasy when you're like, you know, hey, he's the best guy there, even if he's not great. I mean, it's the it's the running back corollary to wide receivers where you're like, well, somebody has to catch the ball in that offense. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, maybe, but that doesn't make that person a good play. Week after week. So I, I don't know. Um, thoughts on Peyton Barber, Eddie? He, I mean, it'll make you happy because the SC guy, but I, I thought he was the rookie running back that made the most sense, not name Saquon Barkley. It's mm-hmm. like Jameis is suspended. Uh, he's going to get the feature spot. It's like he has to be the guy. So then when he's kind of, you know, not doing what he, people thought he would do in the preseason, then you have Ronald Barber there, uh, Peyton Barber there. Sorry. It's, it's, it's almost, it's a little disappointing, but I still have hope that he's going to be the guy that they, they drafted him for a reason. So uh, I don't think Peyton Barber is going to, you know, rush for a thousand yards and going to push uh, Ronald Jones to the side. That, that's just my take on it. I mean, I think the the encouraging part, if you were big on Ronald Jones and people have pointed this out through the preseason, is that he's been playing behind a second team offensive line that just has been bad, um, flat out bad. I think he has, uh, you know. I think if you look at his next gen stats, I think he has the you know the smallest number of yards before contact. Where on on average he's getting hit in the backfield by defenders because they're just not they're not keeping defenders off of him. So you would hope that if he gets some opportunities with the first team offense, that maybe that improves a little bit. And I still believe that at least by midseason this could be more of a committee. So I haven't been able to completely buy in uh, on Peyton Barber, Mike Williams with the Chargers. His uh, his ADP has gone up. He's been getting talked up by a lot of people, including, you know, people in this building. Um, They like his size. They like his athletic ability. You know, he obviously had injury issues his first year. But, Mark, with the Hunter Henry gone, uh, with a team that could throw the ball a whole lot, maybe this is the Mike Williams breakout year? Well, it feels like all of the optimism when he – uh, went to the Chargers that was there his first year should should carry over. I mean, it was injuries that made it difficult for him and gave you the numbers that you see, 11 catches for 95 yards, no touchdowns. I mean, really hard to get much worse than that. But look, the guy's a number seven overall pick for a reason. And I think the fact that he's had a stellar camp, the Chargers need him to be a productive member of that uh, wide receiver room. You know where he fits in this year. I, I, obviously, that remains to be seen. But I, I think there's nowhere to go. Obviously, than up from where it, what he uh, was last year. And the question marks at tight end mean they need reliable guys to mm-hmm. catch the football. Yeah, uh, I like I said. I I think he's a guy in the late later rounds. 
Uh, has a lot of upside. I don't know if you, you know, Eddie, how you feeling about Mike Williams? Kind of, yeah, kind of like what Mark was just saying. Like without the tight ends there, somebody has to catch balls in the red zone. I think he could be a good uh, a target. You know, in uh, when they get inside the the twenty twenty five, there just throw up jump balls to him, big body. Uh, I mean, he's a really good shot at being the number two behind Keenan Allen. And I think the Chargers' offense is going to be great. I'm I'm pretty high in the Chargers this year overall. Uh, and like I said, if somebody's covering Keenan Allen, they're double teaming him. Uh, I think Big Mike is going to be the ones getting a lot of those. Uh, uh, targets. I think the bigger question is just, does he continue to work his way up the depth chart, and is he going to get the opportunities? Because as you said a minute ago, you don't want to just be the guy who happens to be catching balls. You want right. it to be because you're bringing something to the table. Yeah, uh, you know, because I, I think we've kind of forgotten about Tyrell Williams in this offense, who ostensibly is the number two guy mm-hmm. right now, but, you know, we love Mike Williams, and, and I see a, a high ceiling for him potentially. I think with the Chargers, they just got to stay healthy. I mean, they just have to keep bodies on the field. Like, that has been their biggest obstacle. More, more than anybody else in their division, they have been their own worst enemy because they just, they just can't stay healthy. I, I feel like they're one of those teams, too, because you know that their defense has the potential to do some good things on that side of the football, mm-hmm. but they're going to throw the ball no matter what. Yes. So you're not as worried about that being a factor. I mean, you know, the beauty of you know, having your home base be Los Angeles is that you can throw the ball in December. You know, you're not worried about weather and you know, wind and rain and that sort of thing. Uh, speaking of throwing the ball in weather and wind and rain, Russell Wilson, uh, he was been, he's been my, my QB2 for most of the offseason, but he has seen sort of a decline in his ADP. And maybe it's, you know, Doug Baldwin's injury. Maybe it's people just kind of scared about what that offense is. I still believe in Russell Wilson, but it seems like I am, I won't say in a minority, but I, it feels like people don't have the same level of confidence in Russell Wilson that they used to. But, so that this is where it's interesting because what, what does confidence mean when you're talking about Russell Wilson? Is he going to be a top one, two, or three quarterback when it's all said and done at the end of this year? Maybe not, but he still might be top five. I, I think it's more one of those deals where you can throw the roster out the window, throw the statistics out the window. He is one of those guys, as we talked about on NFL Fantasy Live, that produces year in and year out and is seems to be constantly underestimated by opposing defenses and maybe fantasy uh, managers as mm-hmm. well. So it's one of those situations where I feel like if you're going to say, is he going to be top one or two QBs when it's all said and done, you can make an argument why that would be the case. But I, I don't want to ever sleep on Russell Wilson. <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. That's how I mean. That's how I feel. Like I'm. I'm about. I'm still about that Russell Wilson life, man. I. He's like one of those guys where if they go 500, he should win the MVP because it's basically all yes. because of him. <laughs> yes. But almost in a fantasy sense, I'm not sure if I love it because I think the injury risk with the O line not being great, there's a, kind of a mess in the backfield. I mean, yeah, he has Doug Baldwin, uh, who's great uh, and still underrated. But I, I don't know if there's enough to like. He's not like built like a Cam Newton where he can right. kind of do it all himself. And I'm kind of afraid, I'm afraid for Russ of what will happen when he's like just, you know, scrambling out there by himself. So like I said, if they go 500, give him the MVP because that's amazing. But fantasy, I don't know if I would take him over some other guys at the QB position. But, but I think that's, that's the key is like, okay, where are you picking him? Who else is on the board? Because if you're thinking that he's going to be your one or two guy in the league, I feel like the downside outweighs the likelihood of that happening. Sure. Uh, but, you know, depending on where you are with other quarterbacks, if you're later on, the upside is it tilts the scales, yeah, right? If you get value for him, sure. Yeah. But if it do not, I would not reach for him uh, in, a, in a fantasy sense. It does not make sense. Here's a uh, kind of weird, fun stat about Russell Wilson from last year. Between his touchdown passes and his touchdown runs, he accounted for all but one of the Seahawks' offensive touchdowns last year. Just 
fantasy manager, you love that. I mean, it's an insane number to think about. You know, like he had 34 touchdown passes. He ran for three more. The Seahawks as a team scored 38 offensive touchdowns, and Russell Wilson was involved in 37 of them. That's what I'm saying. MVP, man. I'm making Aaron Rodgers money. I'm right. I mean, who knows? I'm, I'm sure the Seahawks saw that Aaron Rodgers contract and thought, uh. Yeah, but... <laughs> so, uh, so the next one up for me, uh, Derek Henry and Mark. I know you and I, I think, sort of feel the same about Derek Henry. I was, you know, when Demarco Murray left, I thought this is it, this is the moment. And then Deion Lewis showed up, and then so far in the preseason, Derek Henry has done nothing to bolster my confidence. Um, his his ADP is falling. I think that a lot of people have kind of looked at this and and they don't feel great about it right well, now. Well, earlier. It shot up, like you said. When DeMarco Murray leaves, the number of think pieces you could read about how this is going to be Derrick Henry's year, he's going to be the guy, his numbers are going to skyrocket. Uh, or There were many. But I feel like, one, he is one of those guys that needs to get the football a lot, needs mm-hmm. to get a lot of touches. And you don't bring in Deion Lewis if that's going to be the case, especially in Matt LaFleur's offense, which is geared toward a guy like Deion Lewis to do well. And... I look at the numbers last year where Deion Lewis was, you know, put up stellar fantasy numbers, especially relative to DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry was still getting snaps behind him. So I, I just I need to see it on the field and right. I haven't seen it yet. I mean, I think there's something to be said, Eddie, for the fact that you know, for as much as we like Derrick Henry, he's got this huge build that, you know, what, two, three years in a row now, the Titans coaching staff hasn't believed in him enough to just give him the job. I'm a huge uh, Deion Lewis, especially being a PPR guy. I, I love Deion Lewis this year, and I think he make he makes more sense in that offense, especially with a quarterback like Mariota. Uh, Derrick Henry is, I mean, will you get maybe the goal line touchdowns? I think sure. Uh, and I do agree with Mark. Like, he needs to just pound the rock with him a bunch, and then that's when he'll gain the yards. But I think for their offense and just being kind of, you know, a fast pace and a, a quarterback like Mariota, like I said, he's going to want to, you know, get the ball in a shot and dump it off to Deion Lewis, and I, I don't like. It's a really bad fit team wise for Derrick Henry. The, the, the numbers too, and I don't have them in front of me, but I feel like last year Deion Lewis got more calls in the red zone uh, than any other Patriots running back. Uh, you know that that he was the red zone guy. So I'm not sure that that flips this year with Derrick Henry. Well, and Lewis was a guy. I mean, we, everybody thinks of him as a third down back, but you go back, the Patriots used him a lot on first and second down. So he has the potential to be out there for all three downs. And the thing that frustrates me the most about Derrick Henry watching him play is that for as big and strong as he looks, he he sort of runs like a smaller back. You know, like I want him to he, he's dude, you're built like a defensive end, man. You're built like a pass rusher like Rush, like run like that. Like don't run like like you are a Deion Lewis type back. Uh, it's frustrating, and I don't know if that has any impact on, on how he gets the this ball. It's just a, a random aside, but I wonder sometimes about guys who were always so much better mm-hmm. than anybody they played against. And you look at Derrick Henry, he is a physical specimen, and he ran through people at the high school level. Obviously, you play behind that big offensive line in Alabama, and you're doing the same thing there, even against SEC defenses. And I just wonder if you build up the skill set that can help you really be a grinder. And That's a good question. really fight for those yards, the yards that came so easily for you at, in high school and at the college level. It just seems like you have to evolve. Right. I don't know that I've seen him evolve yet. I haven't seen it yet either. And, you know, maybe that's the reason we're talking about a time shift. (laughs) It's what hurts him, too, I also think, just to quickly add, is, like, Mm. people have this in their mind of, like, oh, that's what he did in high school. That's what he did at Alabama. And then now he's So he'll obviously do it here. So he's going to do it here. So then people are drafting him, you know, maybe, like, late second, early third round. That's his problem, too. you got to pay a premium to draft him. And that's what hurts him. If if you were taking him later, it's like, sure, it'll be great. But I think the better value, I I don't think – 
is a question is Deion Lewis. Without a doubt. Right. No, without a doubt. And that's why I've, I, you know, like you guys, I've been started targeting Deion Lewis in as many spots as I, I can. Uh, last one on my list, Jay Ajayi. And he's he has been a head scratcher for me throughout the preseason. You know, some people say they love him and he's poised for big things. I look back at last year, and he was still kind of a, a committee back with Corey Clement and, and some of those guys back there. And now he has this mysterious lower body injury that the Eagles aren't being specific about, but it's kept him off the field. Um, I don't know if it's the confusion. I don't know if it's just that I'm sort of down on Jay Ajayi. But, Mark, I'm, I've kind of just backed away from this guy altogether. I just pulled up his career stats because, it, to me, his career has felt like the roller coaster ride, the Jay Ajayi ride of, of enthusiasm and then some regression and then excitement and then it falls back. And I was just kind of curious, like, oh, I wonder how his numbers line up with that. And, and, and again, uh, splitting time last year between the Eagles and the Dolphins, it was a fine year, but – I, I, like, I think you're talking yourself more into the Eagles right. than you are Jay Ajayi. And that, to me, I have some bigger question marks about, you know, we have not seen anything impressive from that team this mm-hmm. preseason so far. Obviously, they've been without Carson Wentz. And that's the worry is that we're not even guaranteed we'll see him in week one. And if we don't, then where does this offense go? I mean, there's so many guys. I mean, you talk about you know, Carson Wentz. We're not sure when he's going to be back. Jay Ajayi is kind of banged up. Alshon Jeffrey could miss the first couple of weeks. Uh, I mean, Eddie, I know as a Giants fan, you're not necessarily yeah. crying any tears about this, but I mean, from a fantasy perspective, there, there's just a lot of questions. I think, here. yeah, I, I, exactly. I hope I hope uh, the Eagles, uh, from a fantasy perspective, don't do uh, well at all. But, um, <laughs> as I, you're wearing your Giants jersey, as we speak, by the way. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I had to give my guy some love, Odell Beckham. Um, no, I, I think uh, kind of with the Carson Wentz, if, if Carson Wentz comes back, I think it hurts Jay because I just think they're going to start slinging the ball around. Um, with Foles, I'm not a huge Foles guy. I know he won, but I think that almost helps Jay because they'll look to him to just kind of carry the rock and, and, and build the offense through him. But the thing that hurts Jay is – I mean, how many running backs in their backfield like touch the ball on a per game basis? Like last year, I feel like there was like three, four different guys. Mm-hmm. They would come out. They have Darren Sproles back, uh, Smallwood, Corey Clement, like we said. Like there's so many guys there. I, it's like there's no real bell cow. They're just gonna be rotating through who's the fresh guy and, and the scenario, the down where they are in the field. That all comes into uh, into uh, effect with them. So I again, it's he's just like a value pick. Do I think he'll be solid? Sure. But I would not pay a premium for Jay Ajayi. Well, I think that's another thing, though. Like like you said with Derrick Henry, Ajayi is a guy you're going to have to try and get earlier in your drafts. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, is coming off the board. I think right now he's probably fallen back to maybe the fourth or fifth round. But, you know, that's still. That's still a lot. That's, still a lot. Yeah, that's, that's still a lot, you know, when you've got other guys, you know, either on that roster or on other teams that you can get probably at a better value. And have year. more confidence in. Exactly. And so that's – so there we go. There's our confidence level on a handful of guys there. So – now, we are at a point where, as I mentioned, a lot of people have drafted. So for a lot of you, your rosters are set already. Of course, there's always those guys that you pick maybe late in the draft or maybe you, you just, you know, had a panic moment sometime in your draft and you made a pick and you're looking at it and you don't feel great about it. And you're like, what am I? Why did I why did I take player X? What am I going to do now? Well, the good news for you is that the waiver wire is open in a lot of leagues. So I came through with a list of potential waiver wire guys that you can pick up. And so I want to get your thoughts on them, how you guys feel about some of these. Tyler Lockett. You know, we talked about Russell Wilson and the pass catchers in Seattle. Everybody keeps saying that this is the year for Tyler Lockett, which we said last year. I think we said the year before that, and maybe even the year before that. But this is the year. This is finally it. This is the year that Tyler Lockett finally steps up and does something big in the Seattle offense. I mean, Mark, the opportunity is there. Will we see the production sort of match that? Well, I I like to... uh, uh you know, when we talk to our former 
uh, NFL.com colleague, Matt Harmon. Yeah. I know he's a big Tyler he's a Lockett huge fan. Tyler Lockett fan. We have seen his ADP uh, shoot up in uh, recent weeks. Uh, I, I Again, this is my college bias, which right. I, I own up to. Uh, he's one of those guys where I feel like when he's gotten opportunities, he has produced, mm-hmm. and the opportunities will be increased this year, you would expect in Seattle. So I expect that he'll produce as well. And what is he owned in? What, half of leagues on NFL.com? Maybe, roughly? yeah. Like he's, still, he's still available in a lot of places. Yeah, I, I do think he's one of those guys where, he, to me, he would be worth taking a flyer on. Uh I, I like him. Uh, I think he's another. I can you don't like him. him enough? I actually, I like him enough to even draft him maybe, but if he's on the waiver wire, I would definitely take a shot at him because I think with wide receivers, I feel like I can't have enough wide receivers on my roster just because you never know which one of these guys is going to pop uh, and, and do something. I don't know if, how, how you feel about him. It's, uh, it's kind of, like you said, kind of going back to the Russell Wilson thing. I mean, he's so good. It's almost you have to be like, okay, he's going to make plays. Somebody will catch a ball from Russell Wilson, so why not pick a guy like uh, Tyler Lockett up? But on the flip side, it's just it's almost like I want to see the Seahawks play a couple games before I'm like, okay, that's what the offense is going to be like, because right. I'm just... I'm. I'm, I'd be really nervous if I was a Seahawks fan. I just don't trust their line. I don't trust uh, their their backfield, and I think that just is ultimately going to hurt um, their their passing attack. And like we said, you know, Doug Baldwin's still the number one option, so you're going to lose targets there. Uh, I'd like maybe like week two, week three, if they actually look pretty confident, then I would target him heavily. I would say with Lockett, the one thing I'll say about Lockett is that he seems, if you play in a best ball league or what have you, he's a, a boomer bust guy. Um, he's one of the. I, I created kind of my own series of awards, the MG Awards, and and he is, he would be a candidate for what I call the Joey Galloway Award, right? Like he's just a home run hitter. Like he'll he'll give you weeks where you could get three catches for like 110 yards and a couple of touchdowns, and then he'll give you like a four for 19, you know? So I think that's just kind of what you have to deal with. But again, you're talking a waiver wire guy. You're not expecting him to be your your wide receiver one. Another guy who has that boomer bust potential, but I like I like a lot a lot is John Brown, and I've talked about the Joe Flacco Renaissance, the Flaconaissance, as I'm calling it myself. Um, and part of it is you know Michael Crabtree and and the resurgence of John Brown, and I think we've seen some good things from him in the preseason, Mark. And I I, I believe I feel like he should be getting actually drafted, but he's on the waiver wire. I, I I can't pass him up. Yeah, his ADP has been increasing recently, but still, uh, you know, like around. 24% ownership in a lot of leagues. I, I just have a hard time with the injury history and mm-hmm. not believing in Joe Flacco. But <laughs> so I, he's a little, it's a little scarier for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but look, he's one of those guys, like you kind of said before, if it could be feast or famine. Right. And if it feasts, you could have a nice meal. I mean, yeah. Are you, are you sitting uh, down to the table? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, Marcus. Uh, Joe Flacco is back against the wall. Uh, some issues at the tight end position, so you need receivers to step up and, and, and catch some footballs. And I, I think John Brown, um, along with the other guys they brought in, like Crabtree, I think I think I actually like the Ravens this year. Uh, strangely enough, uh, out of the AFC North, but uh, I think John Brown actually, if he's on the waiver wire, you got to you got to scoop him up. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm with that one. All right, so this is one. I think I'm trying to talk myself into, and I'm sitting here with a Cowboys fan and a Giants fan, so I don't feel like you guys are going to give me any support on this one. But Rob Kelly uh, in Washington, Adrian Peterson is there. You know, Chris Thompson is there. But, you know, all these reports just say Rob Kelly's just sort of hanging around and that he still has something of a role there. And and I guess because I don't 100% believe in Adrian Peterson's resurgence, I can talk myself into a scenario where Rob Kelly still has some value, but maybe maybe I'm just making this up, Mark. I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> like I, 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 
by the Washington offense, actually. I like some of the pieces there. Uh, I think the fact that and I'm not on board the Adrian Peterson bandwagon, but mm. he he's had some some nice flashes. He has this preseason, has. which just makes me think, man, he's like we talked about Russell Wilson earlier. Never count him out. Adrian Peterson is like that, you know, guy that comes back from the dead. Uh, we when he's been counted out in the past. Um, I, I, I there's other people I'd look at first. Okay, uh, you feeling the same? The skin the, the skins offense as a whole just doesn't really do much for me. I'm just don't I don't trust them. I don't trust the backfield. There's just too many moving parts there. I mean, Alex Smith is kind of underwhelming, and I think it's a it's a pretty uh, it's a you know they downgraded from Kirk Cousins, and uh, I just I don't I don't love that offense. I have been weirdly invested in that offense, but not 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 at any like great rates. Like I'm not paying any, you know, big draft prices for any of these guys. I mean I'm waiting to get Alex Smith as a quarterback, right? I'm waiting till, you know, late, late in the draft to maybe take a flyer at Josh Doxon or something like that. Like I I've kind of made an investment, but it's been a minimal investment well, where if it goes superstar? wrong. That, like, who's the... Well, their superstars hurt. I mean, it was, it was, it was supposed to be Darius Geis, I know. right? Like, that's that's kind of why you're like, uh, maybe? Right. <laughs> like, but this, we've seen that before with Alex Smith where it's like the sum of all, you know, is greater than their, the whole, or whatever the right, right, phrase is. is the, right. Some of the greater than the parts or something right, like right, that. Right, I know, yeah, I know yeah, what you The whole is greater than some of the parts. There you go. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Like I said, I've, I've invested in Washington, but just not at any... I don't think not at any price where it can like severely burn me if everything goes wrong. Um, last up, I, I have D.D. Westbrook on the list, but I could make it, you know, D.D. Westbrook slash D.J. Chark slash Dante Moncrief slash Keelan Cole because <laughs> – Slash pick a guy in a Jags Basically pick a guy in a Jags because, like, you know, there's been all this hype out of Duval County about the receiving core and how good they can be. And what I keep saying is it seems like every Jags beat writer is high on a Jags receiver – they just aren't all high on the same guy, which is never a good sign. Which is never a good sign. But I guess you know, I, if I'm if I'm taking a dart throw, I have D.D. Westbrook. But I, I guess it, it's interchangeable, right? I don't know. <laughs> the the look on your faces kind of tell me everything I need to know right now. I know I, I like I like D.D. Um, I, if they don't like go out and grab someone like Des Bryant, who's like on on the market, I think somebody needs to catch footballs there. I, I don't. I like Blake Bortles. I just I'm not in love with the offense this year. I think they'll actually take a, a step down from where they finished last year. Um, but I mean, it's it's almost just like if the offense has to move on the field, somebody has to catch a ball. He's explosive. I mean, right. if he's if he's available and, and he's scoring a couple touchdowns here and there, I think he's like a big play threat. Uh, if you have deep rosters, I don't see a problem with it. Yeah. This, this, this feels like a recurring theme a little bit of, I could talk myself into it, I can talk myself out of it. Yeah, and I think that I think that's what it is. And, and maybe that's not a great way when you're talking about your first waiver wire pick. That you, if, I think if you have to talk yourself into it, maybe you're probably better off sticking with the guy that you have on your roster. What happens if a guy like Fournette gets injured? Does that all of a sudden make the receivers and the Jaguars that more appealing because they're going to have to throw, throw the ball fo- the football more or, or you don't think that even matters? Oh, uh, I mean, maybe. Yeah, but I, I still think, you know, even I feel like that that's scenario, also a win, not an if. Like, I think he'll <laughs> right. I mean, exactly, the, way, the yeah. way he plays and his history suggests that it's kind of more of a win than an if. Although I still think in that scenario, then, you know, guys like Corey Grant and mm-hmm. TJ Yeldon uh, start to get a little more love in that offense. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know that it necessarily translates uh, over to the wide receivers. Uh, before we go to the phones and get our guests, let's talk about the fact that football is almost here. It pretty much is here. Let, let's just say that. Football is here, which means it's fantasy football season, and FanDuel has never been more fun or easy to play. If you're not a fantasy expert, and really who among us is, then FanDuel is clearly the place to play. FanDuel has something for everyone, and there are more ways to win than ever before. Don't believe us? How's this sound? 
This season, FanDuel is running a free $250,000 Survivor Contest. I said that right, $250,000. That's the biggest free Survivor Contest ever, and here's how it works. You pick one team to win each week, and you can't reuse that team again for the rest of the season. So this locks before week one, so don't miss on your chance to sign up now. Look, you can get into that free $250,000 Survivor Contest. Just go to FanDuel.com slash FantasyLive. That's FanDuel.com slash Fantasy Live Plus, new users get a $20 bonus when they make their first deposit on FanDuel. They're just handing you $20 just for signing up and making a deposit. How great is that? You can come play at FanDuel.com slash Fantasy Live. Always like talking to a lot of fun people on this show, and one of the guys I enjoy talking with a lot, Joe Pisapia. You can find him on Twitter at JoePisapia17. That's P-I-S-A-P-I-A. You can also find him at the Black Fantasy Black Book Pod. He is the author of the Fantasy Black Book. Joe, I feel like after all the times I've been on your show, it's only fair that you come back on mine now. How are you doing? I know, right? I was just thinking the same thing all <laughs> these years, right? And then finally, I get the invite. I, I guess I'm finally doing something right, but I'm happy to be here, man. Well, it's like, because, you know, I'm, I'm the one in control now. And not to, not to say bad, anything bad about the other guys that were here. Like, it's my show, so I get to pick, I get to pick who I have on the show. So uh, I'm glad to have you here. Uh, wanted to talk to you about, about Dynasty stuff. I know you do a lot of, of Dynasty-type stuff and, and those sorts of things. For folks who may be entering their first Dynasty draft, maybe having their first startup Dynasty draft coming up uh, this weekend, what sort of strategies, I mean, how, how should people approach a Dynasty draft versus your, your standard redraft Fantasy Leagues? I think, you know, that's a great question. I think what happens, too, is most of the time you get people who look too far ahead into the future, right? And I always say in the Black Book, what you want to do is you want to build a team for a three-year window, and that's for a couple of reasons. Number one, in the NFL, you never want to get too far ahead of yourself because injuries can really change the dynamic of a roster right away. And for all the other reason, too, is these leagues don't always last that long. You know, you think you're going to be in this league for six, seven, eight years, but people drop out, things change, people don't want to run them anymore. So I always say that three-year window is great. And that means that you do want to get those guys in their prime. I think you target those guys early and often. And the thing that I think people kind of miss out on or forget is the undervalued veterans, the guys like Crabtree or guys like Emmanuel Sanders or guys like that who've been floating around the league for a while who may not be as sexy as like a Corey Davis or something like that, but they're going to get the job done and they're going to put up points and they're going to be productive. And I think that's what happens. I think sometimes people look too far ahead to the future instead of trying to win right now. And I would always try to do that because you always get a new group of rookies every year too. So it's always plenty of opportunity to turn your roster over, try to be competitive, go for the championship right now. So you, you talk about rookies, and I think that's the thing that when people look at dynasty leagues, especially you, know, you have your rookie drafts every year, they, they really focus on them. So, I mean, let's talk about a few of the rookies here. I mean, the, the quarterback situation, it feels like it's a guy, a lot of guys who may not necessarily flash a lot this year, but have a lot of potential down the road. When you look at these rookie quarterbacks, which one or ones have really jumped out at you? Well, I think you're right about that. I think with all those guys, even, you know, even when you go back to Wentz and Goff, you know, it took them a little bit of time, but, you know, certainly last year you saw Goff really finally when he had an offensive-minded coach who was had an offense that was actually from this decade, <laughs> which was great to actually see, you know, how he grew and then Wentz to uh, finally coming into his own last year before the injury. Uh, you know, watching the hard knocks, I always feel like Baker Mayfield gets it. I feel like he's an NFL player. I feel like he's the guy that is unflappable. I think he's the guy that has – in terms of fantasy upside, a lot of dynamic stuff. Now, Lamar Jackson is another guy, too, who could be very special. But, you know, how he's going to integrate into 
NFL style offenses will be fascinating to watch. We know he's athletic. We know he could be a game changer. And, you know, I think there's every reason to believe he can develop into that guy, but, you know, it's, it's whether or not you're happy having that kind of quarterback on your roster, too, because anytime you have a quarterback that's mobile and likes to run, you also run that risk up. And that goes for even like a Russell Wilson type guy or guys like that. So for me, I think Mayfield's that guy. Rosen's very safe. Uh, I think Darnold's going to be fine, you know, but I think Mayfield has that swagger, that weird it factor that I think potentially could be uh, one of those guys you really want to have in fantasy and mobile as well. You know, you mentioned Josh Rosen, and you know, I think yeah, obviously everybody sees the the potential ceiling for Lamar Jackson. I think the ceiling for Sam Darnold is great. Josh Rosen was the guy that coming out of the draft, I felt like was the most polished. He was the most Agreed. ready to start 100%. right now, but. How close is he to his ceiling? I mean, I think he can come in and play and be productive, but you know, how much better can we expect Josh Rosen to get down the road, do you think? Well, look, I mean, you start off with the fact you got a guy like DJ there. I mean, that certainly helps, you know? Yes. <laughs> and you've got a quarterback made of glass ahead of him, uh, <laughs> which is also uh, advantageous for him as well. And I think that when you start off with a good running game and you have a dynamic player like a, a DJ there, that takes a lot of pressure off the guy right away. And you do have a veteran presence like Larry Fitzgerald, and I think that's important. You hear good things about Kirk in camp, too. So I think he's in a position to succeed. If Rose, you know, I agree with you 100%. I thought Rosen was the most ready quarterback to play and be successful. But I, I do believe there's some sort of ceiling there. Uh, and, and, I, and I think that it's probably around that 4K level of, of yards and somewhere in that vein. And, uh, you know, somebody that you would like eventually is a low-end QB1. I think he kind of fits in that Matt Ryan-y kind of mold for me personally. And just like Matt Ryan, the better the weapons around him, you know, you put him with a Julio Jones, all of a sudden he's, you know, potentially useful in fantasy. And I think that's the key for Rosen. I, I don't think he's the guy that you love on his own on an island, but if you put him with the right pieces, I think very productive. And I think probably most ready this year to make an impact. And he may be the guy, you know, despite the Buffalo issues there with injuries potentially, and despite all the buzz for Baker Mayfield, I think there might be that, opportunity first for Rosen just because Bradford's the guy in front of him. Uh, look into the running backs, right? I, I think after the draft, we were all excited about this group of running backs. I mean, we knew Saquon and Darius Geis and Ronald Jones and Carrion Johnson. You can keep going down the list. As the preseason has gone on, we've seen kind of guys fall. <laughs> I mean, Geis gets hurt. Ronald Jones is disappointed. Sony Michelle hasn't been on the field. Like, some. Help me help me balance my, my emotions here, Joe, because I feel like we were too we were like way too hyped on these guys in like April and May, and now all of a sudden I feel like well you know nobody you know, non Saquon division is going to be worthwhile. Like please help me balance my, my feelings right now. Well, I, I will. I'll do my best. Well, first of all, we'll pour a nice, we'll pour a nice thing of whiskey. You and I will sit here and we'll try to talk about our I'm feelings. Down. Uh, <laughs> see, I knew it. Uh, I, you know, for me, I I actually think this is a good thing. And the reason is because now all the values come back down a little bit. And if you got a draft coming up this weekend, you know, you look at the ADP fall of a guy like Michelle, which is, which is smart because the Patriot offense isn't easy. Integrating into it is difficult. Getting the trust of the coaching staff can be hard at times. So, and the confidence of a Tom Brady to turn around and you know, give you the ball or be that guy in the offense. Uh, you talk about Rashard Penny too, another guy who was super high on this. Seahawks moved up to take him, right? So all this big buzz because these guys got taken early, it inflated them a little bit because after all, they're still rookie running backs. There's a learning curve. There's time for them that they have to adjust to life in the NFL, prove that they're not going to put the ball on the ground, prove that they can 
handle pass coverage and, and blocking for the quarterback and all that. And so there's, a, there's a lot going on there. And I think what I've seen is training camp has basically suppressed all their value a little bit into a place where I think it's much more realistic for them to return an investment in redraft. Now in dynasty, that's a little bit different. You still want to go a little bit, you know, more aggressively after these guys, but I'll tell you so far, the one guy that I think, you know, you don't want to put too much into preseason games, but man, carry on Johnson looked good. And, and my goodness, if, if there was a team that desperately needed to just go with a running back and say, this is going to be our guy, it's him. And I think that's one of these guys that kind of flies under the radar when we keep talking about all these other ones that were, you know, maybe a little bit more buzz pre-draft time. But carry on seems to be the guy that I think is might end up outperforming all of them. Outside of Barkley, obviously. Right. I mean, I, I feel like I've, I've separated Saquon and then there's everybody else when it comes to the rookie running backs. He's just kind yeah, of in his own 100%. division. Um, he's, okay, he's so, a special boy. Exactly. Uh, so, <laughs> look, man, trust me. Look, I sat in the Rose Bowl a couple years ago watching him run through my USC Trojans, and I said, you know, at this point, like, I need this guy to leave college now because I don't want to have to run into him <laughs> ever again. Ever, ever. Well, ever. you know what, man? I feel like, you know, people ask you, what does he remind you of? I said, nobody. And that's what right. makes him so special. No, you're right. I feel like he's like generated in a lab. Like you took all the best pieces <laughs> of all these different kinds of running backs and you created him. And I think that's what's so unique. And that's why it's so tantalizing from a fantasy perspective. Well, a guy on the other end of that spectrum, a guy who also has very few comparisons, but certainly is not young, is Adrian Peterson. And obviously what he did last week in, in the preseason game for Washington, it got a lot of attention. I haven't bought in yet. I still think he's a guy who is an offense clogger, who's still kind of a fairly one-dimensional back, but people seem to be buying into this. What side of the line do you come down on on Adrian Peterson? Uh, I'm with you again. You and I are on that same island still. I can't get there, and I I certainly can't get there where it seems like people want to take him right now. Like All of a sudden, that one shining moment happened last week, and now all of a sudden people are like, yeah, sure, it's Adrian Peterson. God bless him. He's a Hall of Famer. But at the same time, I'm with you. I think there's going to be some games in particular where he's going to have some games where he looks like Adrian Peterson. I mean, last year he had that one game where he carried the ball like, I don't know, like 137 times. I kept warning everybody trade him because there's no way after this he's going to be any good. He's going to be completely worn out. And sure enough, he was dreadful the following couple of weeks. But to me, I think if they use him properly with Chris Thompson, I think he can be one of these guys. He's going to get you 50 yards as a flex and maybe a touchdown here and there. And maybe he'll have a couple of really good games. But I would strongly recommend if you did get him in a draft or you got him cheap or you picked him up later in a slow draft as this news had come out and you got him really cheap, that if you get a really good game out of him, strongly consider flipping him for somebody else. And, and that might mean taking on a guy like a Penny or a Jones who is younger, who has an opportunity that as the season goes on might get better as opposed to a guy like Adrian, who's older, the injury factor is higher. And of course, you've also got a spot where that team is not very good. I just don't think the Redskins are a very good football team. No, I agree with that, too. Um, you know, Joe, talking to Joe Pisapia, the author of the Fantasy Black Book, host of the Fantasy Black Book podcast. Uh, you know, the, these rookie wide receivers this year, uh, there just hasn't been – there wasn't a ton of buzz about them in the draft. And, and we've seen a couple of guys. Michael Gallup has gotten some buzz. Maybe guys like Cortland Sutton, DJ Moore. Um, but this feels like for this feels like more of a, a dynasty type draft class than, than a redraft draft class. Am I, am I wrong about that? Are there any guys that you think can really be big? No, I, think, this I year? think that's a really, I think actually the really astute way of putting it. I, I think you're dead on there because I think part of it is due to who the quarterbacks are, you know, like you've got, okay. A quarterback situation transition in Arizona with Kirk. You got a young quarterback with Cherisky and Miller. You've got uh Dak Prescott, 
coming off a, a down year. But if you go back and look at the numbers at Dak, he was just the same old Dak as he was when Zeke was playing last year. And when Zeke wasn't there, I think he had eight touchdowns and nine picks and he fell off the face of the earth. So I think part of it is because not a lot of them are with established quarterbacks outside of maybe Ridley off the top of my head. But really, you're right. I think it's more of a, a learning and growing. And I think Miller is one of these guys for me that I think could be potentially successful as things go on. I think it's going to take Robinson a little time to gear up. And, you know, I think Miller's position on that team, too, playing the slot role, I think is going to be very useful to a guy like Trubisky, who has still you know, got that learning curve. But I'm very high on what Nagy can do in that offense. And I think the Bears are a team that maybe I might not draft a whole lot of them. But in terms of trade targets, I think that's an offense that has potential when we get to week seven, eight to start really turning the page. And those are guys you might want to acquire and trade and start being aggressive on early. But you're right. It's, I think it's asking a lot because of the situations they're in for them to come in and be uh, fantasy relevant right away and redraft. Uh, okay, so Joe, you uh, you put together the Fantasy Black Book. You have a lot of contributors. Jake Seeley, who's a friend of the podcast. Uh, Matt Franciscovich, a.k.a. the franchise, who was here for a number of years. For folks who, who don't know better, who uh, who want to go pick this up, what can they expect? <laughs> what can they expect out of the Fantasy Black Book? Well, what they can expect is relative position value because fantasy, when you boil it down, is very simple. It's about me outproducing you from as many spots as I can in the roster. And it's a value-based drafting type system, but it's very simple to grasp. And what it does is it shows you just how much better a player is at a certain position than his fantasy peers as the fantasy league average, not just as running back, but as RB1 or as an RB2 and, and where these guys slot in. And once you understand where the positives and then the negative guys under that fantasy league average are, it dictates how you approach that. And I think that's what we lack. We lack something that's simple. And for all the great metrics we have, we lack something that's simple, adaptable, understandable. You can go in there and then you can use it for a super flex league. You can use it for a 10 man PPR, a, a 14 team, you know, standard league. It doesn't matter. And I think that's what's so great. And that's why it's been number one, 12 times. And this year, number one in football books. How about Ooh. that? Above Nick Foles. That's right. Take that, Cinderella. <laughs> Attaboy. Congratulations. I got your that. glass slipper right here, buddy. <laughs> congratulations. Uh, as, I, <laughs> as I let you go, the one thing I always ask my guests is for their pick of pop. The thing in pop culture that really has grabbed their attention that they feel like they need to share with everybody. So, Joe, what are you digging on right now? Well, I got to say, I started watching that uh, new Sasha Baron Cohen show on Showtime, Who is America? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've checked this out, but, uh, you know, he, this guy, I mean, what he's gotten people to do, and he's basically going in there trying to exploit all the stupidities of this country. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's certainly not for everybody, but uh, I think that if you like smart comedy with a twinge of uh, dirtiness and I mean, he's gotten congressmen to take their pants off and <laughs> yell and scream to try to stop a gunman. And <laughs> he's, he's gotten uh, ex uh, and current Congress people to go on and talk about training kindergartners with guns called the, some of the kindergartens program, the stuff he gets away with, with these characters and gets people to, to say or do it's, it's terrifying at the same time as hilarious and then terrifying again. So. so I haven't watched it yet. I feel like I would have to watch it through my fingers, like like a horror movie sort You're of You're going to have to. You can't, you know, it's one of these, I said the other day to my cousin, I said, 
you can't watch them in a, in a row because you have to kind of digest each half hour because <laughs> what you just saw is disturbing and so entertaining, but again, disturbing, but important. And I think that's, that's fun too. All right. So like, I'll mix it in with like some cartoons yeah. too, to kind of like, you know, Oh yeah, totally. Out. Yeah. You totally, you know, get a Rick and Morty in after just to <laughs> detox or something. I don't know. Absolutely. Well, Joe, appreciate the time. Uh, congrats on the success of the black book and uh, best of luck with the fantasy black book pod and best of luck this year. Fantasy wise, man, it's good to talk to you. Always, man. Anytime you want me, let me know. I'm back whenever you need. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. You could get in a crash. People could get hurt or killed. But let's take a moment to look at some surprising statistics. Almost 29 people in the United States die every day in alcohol-impaired vehicle crashes. That's one person every 50 minutes. Even though drunk driving fatalities have fallen by a third in the last three decades, drunk driving crashes still claim more than 10,000 lives each year. Many people are unaware that driving while high can be just as dangerous. In 2015, 42% of drivers killed in crashes tested positive for drugs. Not so harmless after all, is it? And get this, from 2007 to 2015, marijuana use among drivers killed in crashes doubled. The truth is, driving while high is deadly. So stop kidding yourself. If you're impaired from alcohol or drugs, don't get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI, drive sober, or get pulled over. So uh, thanks to Joe Pisapia for his time. You can find his work at the Fantasy Black Book. Go get it. Download it today. Uh, our pal, the franchise, Matt Franciscovich, also contributed to that. So, uh, you know, hey, help help some friends out. There you go. Or you can listen to Joe on the Fantasy Black Book pod. So uh, before we finish up today, one of the fun things about fantasy is coming up with a team name for your squad. And so I just want to kind of poll the room here. Do you guys have a strategy? Is there something you, you know, a way you, you use to come up with team names? Do you just use the same one every year? Do you come up with something new? Do you have a particular uh, method for, for coming up with, with, with team names? I don't like to go on the websites and just read what people have done. I like to be original and mm -hmm. find it myself. So like I'll just scan through like uh, uh, you know new players like last names or first names and try to link it to like a funny song or movie or TV show, something like that, to, to make people laugh. Uh, <clears throat> but I, I think using like the retread names that you see on on like the internet, like I think that's that's lame. You got to be you got to try a little hard to to uh, impress your league. I mean, look if you if you, let's say you're playing in a 10-team league, you get a 1 in 10 chance of winning that league, but you can win the name. Right. right? I mean, you, you can exactly. have a little yeah. bit more control over that. I, I would totally agree with you. Uh, I'm a big fan of puns. Whatever yep. way you can make a pun based on a player's name or something in pop culture. Back when Breaking Bad was uh, in its heyday, that was a source of some great team yes. names. Obviously, Game of Thrones, I think, is going to be generating names for a long time. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, the Marvel and DC Universe uh, helpful as well. Um, uh, I, I think politics has given us some, some good names. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I did. So because I play in multiple leagues, obviously I would pick a theme by season okay. and have my teams, all my teams have a, a variation on that theme. Like I did the breaking bad thing one year. So like I had a team that was skinny Pete Carroll. <laughs> nice. Um, I think I did, uh, Los Poyos Shermanos with a, you know, yes. a, a picture of, of Richard Sherman up there. So yeah, I'm, I'm totally down with that, but so I know that we solicited uh, via the Twitter handle at NFL Fantasy uh, some team names. And so I know, Eddie, you pulled some of these. So I, 
we'll go th- give us some of these, and then you know, Mark and I, we can we can sort of judge how much we like or dislike. These There's, things. I got three funny ones right at the top. Uh, this one, I'm not sure how. I, I think it's widely used, but um, with uh, Dak Prescott using his name as the the Dak Street Boys. I think oh. that one to get a couple All chuckles right. from everyone there. Um, <clears throat> this one's great. This one's uh, actually our our friend uh, Matt Franchise will love this. Uh, a little Dave Matthews reference here, but Nance marching for Jim Nance. Our oh, wow, wow. that's good. And that's that- the thing too is like I think they have to be football related. I don't like people that do team names that are not football. Like like some, find a tie to the NFL or right. something, and it, like you have to do like that. Boy, Nance marching. By the way, anybody under the age of what? 29 right now is like Googling Dave like, Matthews what, band. Exactly. Is like, that... who, what? What's the, huh? <laughs> uh, another funny one. This is, a, this is a guy who's like a sleeper tight end, uh, our, our Ricky Seals. Um, you know, when you ha- go out and you have an adult beverage mm-hmm. and then you're afraid of breaking the seal, well, there's Ricky Broken Seals Jones. Uh, <laughs> I think that one uh, is, is a little clever, a little, uh, it's a deep, it's a deep connection. It's a deep, yeah, it's a deep cut. That's uh, cool. But for the ones that, those are the three I thought I thought were pretty uh, were, were pretty funny. Okay, I mean of those three, I think I like I might like either Nance Marching I, I, or Dak Street Boys the best out of that group. Yeah, I mean the the it's also fun too to get polarizing names, which for people who aren't Cowboys fans, that's going to be polarizing. Um, I also like if you can find a way to work in some insults oh, to sure. the people you're competing. Oh against. yeah. I mean that's always for me high. You know, I, you know, I, and Adam Rank actually is 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 great at coming up with a lot of these team names. I know that uh, you know for any South Park fans, I think one year he had, oh my God, they killed Henny. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, but he's really good at those, and it's it's always fun to kind of see how people come up with their team names. Um, lately, I have I have just kind of leaned on puns involving players that are actually on my roster. Um, but it also if kind you of, could do that, so that's pretty that's that's pretty good. Yeah, but it also I feel like it, it sort of like you know locks me into having to keep these guys on right. my roster, or I have to change my team name, and I'm usually lazy, too lazy to change my team name, so, so I just keep guys on the roster. There's do. also uh, <laughs> I, I, I feel like a lot of there's a few players around the league that have a name that is like widely used. Like Dak is a guy that's mm-hmm. used a ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the new meme, the the Shannon Sharp memes, the, the or the gifts like that. He says like that ain't no problem. Mm-hmm. Right. There's like Dak ain't no problem. Like that's the one's commonly used. I know JJ Watts used a ton. Um, so there are certain guys that have just like very fantasy friendly team names. Uh, have you set your team names for for you? I have I have set zero. Like if I go through my leagues, I think most of my teams right now still say like you know Marcus's team or something. <laughs> <like that. laughs> M Grant one hundred and seven exactly five three two. I uh, I have set mine. Uh, mine is a combination of uh, Michael Vick's old alias and uh, the the Scientology like Ron, leader Ron Mexico. Ron Mexico. So, so like, I did Elron Mexico. That's my, that's funny. Yeah, I like that. I dig that. So anyway, if you have any great team names, you can hit us up uh, on Twitter at NFL Fantasy, or you can you know, hit me up at Marcus G as well. I uh, would love to see them. I know they're always kind of a uh, a fun thing to do. So that will wrap it up. For this edition of the NFL Fantasy Live podcast, thanks go to Joe P. Sapia. Thanks to, for coming back, Marcus. Took. Thanks for having me. Six uh, days, five hours. I'm the, I'm the ticker. Tick, 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 tick. We're almost there. And, of course, uh, Sir Edward L. Murphy Esquire behind the glass. Always remember, football is a lot like American life. Violence interrupted by committee meetings. We'll see you on Monday. <laughs>
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And hmm. not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.